If you've got your Bible with you or um, a smart device and you want to turn with me or swipe with me to the book of Luke chapter 8. I love the book of Luke, love it so much. I named my son after Luke. Luke was a doctor. And so no pressure, son. He's back there in the uh, back there in the sound booth. But you got some big shoes to fill there, buddy. Grow up and become a doctor and support your old dad in the way into which I've become accustomed. Um, You guys know how it is. Uh, Luke chapter eight. It's in the New Testament. The Bible's divided into these two major sections. You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. Luke is the um, the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And along with those three, along with the book of John, we call those the gospels. Gospel means good news. And it is the good news because it tells the story of Jesus. And so we're going to land there in just a, just a minute. But um, a, couple, a couple days ago, my family and I, we were out at the beach and the beautiful, uh, beautiful Fernandina Beach out here. And um, my daughter, Avery, she's nine. Many of you have heard me talk about her previously. She's a bit of a hoarder, um, as, you've heard me, uh, as you've heard me talk about. And so anytime we go anywhere, she's always looking for something that she can collect. You know, if we go out to, if we go out to a fast food restaurant, she wants to collect the toys in the, in the kids' meals. If we go out to a sit-down restaurant, she wants to collect the little plastic cups when you order on the kids' menu and even the, the kids' menu itself, you know, that has the crossword puzzle and the word search and the color in and all of that stuff. She wants to, to keep all of those. She doesn't realize that that's just for um, just for their time to be occupied at the restaurant. She feels like she needs to take it with her. And so she carries around these purses and bags and everything, and they're just jam-packed full of this stuff. And we find things in her room. Um, we find them often by stepping on them in the middle of the night. And, you know, and so that's not a pleasant experience. Uh, but anytime we go anywhere, she's looking for these things to collect. And the beach is no different. When we go to the beach, she is wanting to collect seashells. You know how kids do it. And some of you even do this. And many of you, you go to the beach and you look for, you look for a shark's tooth or something like that. And I know that even when I go to the beach, some of the time I'll spend time kind of sifting through things. But I'm looking for that thing that is, it's unique. It's different. It stands out. It's, it's over and above. And as is typical of my daughter, this past time that we were at the beach, she's coming to me and daddy, can you hold this? Daddy, can you hold this? And she's picking up all of these things and she, daddy, can you, will you hold these for me? Will you keep these for me? And on and on and on. And like, you know, I mean, I'm walking down the beach and I've got all these, these shells and everything. And she just keeps coming to me over and over and over. And I begin to look at the stuff that she's putting in my hands and I'm noticing that like, she doesn't even have like whole shells. Like it's just these like fragments of shells and everything, it's, nothing is even complete. And she's putting it in my hands and everything. And so I begin to ask her, I'm, Avery, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? And so she, daddy, I, I just love these so much and I wanna take these home and I wanna put them in my room and we can, she's got all these, you know, like these Pinterest ideas of everything that we can do with all these pieces of shells and I begin to like sort through them and I'm like, okay, well, let's just pick some of the best ones. 
because we can't take them all. And so we're sorting through them and everything. And, and you know, I, I pick up this one and she's, I don't really like that one all that much, you know? And, and she's like, but why? It's, it's beautiful. And I'm like, it's, it's not even a complete shell. It's just, it's just a piece. And she's like, but daddy, it's so pretty. And then on and on, and I noticed that the majority of what she had handed to me was just these broken pieces of shells, these, these fragments and these pieces. And I said, Avery, we can't take any of this stuff home. They're, they're just broken pieces. And she said, but daddy, they're beautiful. And man, I don't know what it was, but the Holy Spirit just slapped me in the face right there on the beach because what I saw as broken, my daughter saw as beautiful. And I thought, what a picture of our heavenly father, that the things that I would just wanna throw away, that he sees as beautiful. You and I, we experience things in our life. We come across people in our life from time to time, that they're broken. And a lot of us, we can just excuse them. We can push them to the side. We don't have time for them or their needs. They are just broken and worthless and garbage. And we're trying to throw them away. And the Holy Spirit's saying, but wait a minute. What you see is broken. I see is beautiful. But it's not just people that we come in contact with. It's also the person that we look at in the mirror every day. We look in the mirror each morning and we see it too. Our ailments begin to cloud our abilities, our potential. As we stare there in the mirror, our potential is overshadowed by our pain, our shortcomings. They drown out our successes. See, it leads you and I to feel overlooked, left out, like nobody needs us, like nobody wants us, like nobody sees us or cares about us and, and who would want to anyway, right? We cover it up, we ignore it, we pretend it doesn't exist, we hope it goes away. But on the inside, there are deep places within our lives that are broken, fragmented, and in need of healing. So for the next few minutes this morning, I just wanna to talk to you about something that the Lord has just placed on my heart. It's not part of a series or anything like that, but it just reminded me of this very special passage of scripture. So I was on the beach that day with my daughter. I wanna to talk to you about brokenness this morning, if you'll allow me the next few moments. Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter eight, as I said, New Testament, it's part of the four gospels. Gospel means good news, tells the story of Jesus. Luke is, Luke is a doctor by trade. That's what he does. That'll play um, an important part uh, just to give us a bit more insight into our story for today. But Luke is part of um, these, what, what scholars call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Often those three tell very similar stories or, or um, closely related accounts of the same story or the same person. And John, the fourth installment of the gospels, he's kind of off by himself. He communicates the story of Jesus in a very different way. And, and often those don't overlap. It doesn't mean that one is right and the others are wrong. It's just different accounts of Jesus from different perspectives. And for our story today, we find ourselves in Luke chapter eight. 
Luke also wrote the book of Acts, for those of you um, that tells the, the history of the early church and how it, how it got its beginning. So hopefully you can see like how this story of Jesus and the early church is all intertwined and connected together. And this particular passage plays an important part in that because I really think it communicates a picture of how God sees his people. Luke 8, verse 40. So you might need to scroll all the way down or turn the page. It's kind of a long chapter. When Jesus got back to Galilee, a crowd welcomed him because everyone was waiting for him. Now, Jesus, he had been out in the countryside and he had been ministering and, and he, was, he was performing miracles and the blind were receiving sight and the, the sick were, were being healed and the lame were walking and he was um, feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and, and all of these things are going on and people were starting to take interest. There was starting to be a bit of expectation, but a lot of people, they weren't too sure about Jesus yet. They weren't too sure if they wanted to become his followers yet, but they just knew they just needed to be in the vicinity. They just didn't want to miss out on anything that was going on. And so the people knew that he was coming back to Galilee. And so they had all gathered there to welcome him and to be a part and to see what he was going to do next. Verse 41, a man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue came to Jesus and fell at his feet begging him to come to his house. Jairus' only daughter, about 12 years old, was dying. And while Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, the people were crowding all around him. Now, Jairus is not the focus of the message for today and not the focus of our time here this morning. We're gonna talk about Jairus in a couple weeks. But it's while Jesus is on the way to Jairus' house and the crowd is just pressing in around him. Some of you have maybe been to like a concert or a sporting event or something like that and you're waiting to get in and it's just all of these people coming from everywhere and they're trying to get into one entrance and you find yourself, you know, kind of like a sardine a little bit in the midst of all these people. And that's kind of how I imagine what is happening, what's going on here in our passage today is that Jesus is trying to get from where he is to Jairus' house so that he can address this issue with Jairus' daughter. And the people are just, they're just pushed and pressed in all around him and he can't get anywhere. And then this incredible thing happens in verse 43. It says, a woman was in the crowd who had been bleeding for 12 years, but no one was able to heal her. A woman was in the crowd who had been bleeding for 12 years, but no one was able to heal her. Now, it's important to notice or to take note of the fact that, that this is about a woman. And in the culture in which this story takes place, in the historical time and in the, in the part of the world that this takes place, the woman, she, she would not have been on an equal playing field as a man. So the fact that she was there and found herself in the midst of this crowd is something that is a bit unique and a bit surprising at this fact. Um, and then on top of that, like women, they would have been treated as kind of second-class citizens. They would have been looked at as, um, as property of, of men. And so it's important to, to see what's going on here, that this wasn't just 
anybody. Like this was a second class. It, 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 it wasn't like the, the, the upper echelon of society or anything. And, and so the fact that this woman was there and that she was even close to Jesus and is in his presence, she was taking a bit of risk to begin with. All right, and then to make matters worse, not only was this a woman, but she also had what some passages call an issue of blood, all right? So she definitely had her issues. Anybody know anybody with issues? Yep, yep, no elbowing or anything like that, like no pointing fingers. We've all got issues. This woman had an issue and it was one of blood. And what that actually meant, likely, not to be weird or gross or anything, but she was menstruating constantly and had been doing so for 12 years. She had been on her period for 12 years and that there was nothing that any doctor could do to help her. There was no one that could help her. And this is Luke and he's writing this and he's saying, like he would have been in the circles of these people that would have tried to help this woman. And he's saying there was no one who could help her. Matter of fact, in Mark's account of this passage, in Mark chapter five, Mark communicates that she had spent her entire life savings in order to get help. She'd spent her entire life savings in order to get help and nothing, no one, everything that she had tried, she had come up empty. So her condition, this, this menstruation, this issue of blood that she had going on, um, it would have, according to, according to the, the Jewish culture at this point, it would have made her uh, ceremonially or ritually unclean. All right, now what that means is, is that during the time that a woman was on her menstrual period, that she would be unclean and that no one would be able to be in her presence. No one would be able to be in her vicinity. Anything that she touched, anything that she wore, anything that she laid on, it would be made unclean as well and unfit for service or to be able to be out in the community or anything like that. And, and she would have had to have waited until the blood flow stopped for seven full days and then have gone through a ritual or a ceremonial washing of herself in order to be clean again and then to be able to resume her regular duties as a woman in the society in which she lived with her family and her people. And so this wasn't just taking place as a portion of her regular monthly cycle. This had been ongoing for 12 years years and she tried everything and couldn't get anything to work. She would have been able to, un, to, she would have been unable to fulfill her duties as a wife during these 12 years. She wouldn't have been able to take care of her husband. She wouldn't have been able to meet his needs, both physically, um, mentally, emotionally. She wouldn't have been able to be there for him. She would not have been able to um, take care of her children. She couldn't have been around her children during this because if she reached to touch them or to care for them or to do something, then they would have been made unclean. She wouldn't have been able to prepare food. And all of this, this was, um, we don't know anything about this woman's particular situation, but this would have been grounds for divorce for her husband because she would not have been able to hold up her end of the deal in a marriage relationship or within the family. 
Not only that, but she wouldn't have been able to leave her home. She wouldn't have been able to go to places where other people were because if she accidentally bumped into somebody or if she accidentally touched something or whatever, then it would have made that unclean. And then anyone that she touched or anybody that touched anything that she had touched, then they would become unclean. And it would have just caused this huge mess. So she was living her life for the past 12 years as a social outcast. She'd exhausted her resources. She'd exhausted her options. She was just exhausted. Some of you can probably identify. Some of you have probably walked through some things in your life where you've done everything that you knew to do and just did not, could not, were unable to make any sort of headway. You exhausted your resources, you've exhausted your options, and some of you are facing a situation in your life today that is leaving you exhausted. And you feel like there, there might not be any hope. Verse 44. This woman, she came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his coat and instantly her bleeding stopped. See, she was discreet. She was discreet. She came up behind Jesus. She wasn't trying to create a scene. She wasn't trying to, trying to call attention to herself. She was approaching him in humility she didn't want anybody else to know about it. She saw this crowd closing in around him and she thought, this is my time. This is my time. She was discreet about it. She was desperate. She was desperate. She came up behind Jesus. She was desperate. Most of the time, if you need something from someone, you go and you talk to their face. You look them in the eye. You tell them about your need. She didn't even do that. She was so desperate. She thought, if I could just, I don't need to reach his hand. I don't need to get to his face. If I can just reach out and just touch the hem of his robe down at the bottom. She was low. She was discreet. She was humble. She was desperate. She just needed just, if I can just grab hold of that little string that's just hanging off right there and just get a grip on just the tiniest amount of Jesus. She knew that that would make the difference. Verse 45, then Jesus said, who touched me? When all the people said they had not touched him, Peter said, master, the people are all around you and are pushing against you. Now, get this picture in your head for a moment. Jesus is in the middle of these people. He's trying to get from one place to the next and the people are crowding around him in such a way that he can't even move. It's like a celebrity that we see, you know, like Justin Bieber and teenage girls. Like that's kind of the picture that I have in my mind of what this would look like. And Jesus asked the people that are with him, his disciples, who touched me? And to them, it seemed like a crazy question. What do you mean who touched you? All of these people are touching you. They're touching all of us. We can't move. They are, they are surrounding us. And Jesus is saying, no, who touched me? Who touched me? And they're asking people in the crowd and everybody is all of a sudden, they're, they're saying, wasn't, wasn't me? Everybody's taking a step back. It wasn't me. It's not me. 
See, often there are a lot of people in the crowd, but very few are desperate for Jesus. All over the world this morning in churches just like this, there are people that have come to sit and to worship and hear the gospel be proclaimed. But very few of them, sadly, are truly desperate for Jesus. See, the problem is, is that it's easy to be a part of the crowd, but it's difficult to come to the place where you can own the fact that you're desperate for Jesus. That nothing that you can do in your own power is going to work. And that Jesus is all that you have left. And the people there that day, they were just there to see a show. It wasn't me that touched him. It wasn't me. But man, for that woman, it was everything. It was everything that day because she was desperate. She had tried everything and nothing had worked. This was her last ditch effort. She had come to the place where she realized it's Jesus or nothing. Verse 46. But Jesus said, someone did touch me because I felt power go out from me. And when the woman saw that she could not hide, she came forward shaking and fell down before Jesus. And while all the people listened, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And Jesus said to her, dear woman, you are made well because you believed. Go in peace. I've read this passage a thousand times. And I saw something this last time that I'd never seen before. Right there in verse 47, it says, when the woman saw she could not hide. When the woman saw she could not hide. I want you to think about this for a minute. For the past 12 years, hiding is all this woman has done. She has become an expert in hiding. She would have been a specialist when it came to blending in among the people, lurking over in the shadows. All she has done for 12 years is hide because she knew that she couldn't be amongst the people. And if she was amongst the people, she would not have wanted anyone to figure out what was going on with her. She was hidden in plain sight. She was an expert at hiding. But Jesus saw her that day. When she saw she could no longer hide, Jesus sees us in our brokenness. But our brokenness does not disqualify us to approach our heavenly father. Jesus sees us in our brokenness, but our brokenness does not disqualify us. And that day, her faith was the catalyst for her healing. Jesus said to her, dear woman, you are made well because you believed. See, it wasn't because she touched Jesus. That's not why she was made well. She was made well because she realized Jesus is the only answer. 
All the doctors don't have the answer. All the money that I've spent doesn't have the answer. This crowd doesn't have the answer. No one has the answer except for Jesus. And it was her belief, her faith that triggered her healing that day. And then I love how it ends. I love how Jesus, he looks at her and he says, go in peace. Think of the life this woman's led for 12 years. On top of the fact that she's got this painful physical condition that she's dealing with day in and day out. She can't meet the needs of her husband. She can't meet the needs of her children. She can't provide as a wife and a mother and be and uh, the part of her family that she needs to be. She can't go anywhere in the community. She wouldn't have been able to go to the synagogue to worship. She wouldn't have been able to cook food. She wouldn't have been able to go to the marketplace and purchase things. There was nothing that this woman could do. She was fully and completely incapacitated. And she sat there for 12 years and thought about how big of a burden that she was on the people around her. It's the very opposite end of the spectrum of what peace is all about. And Jesus looks at her and says, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. And imagine what that was like for her. Imagine what she felt for the first time in 12 years or longer, that burden being lifted off of her life. And that for the first time, and as long as she could remember, she truly was peaceful because she'd had an encounter with the only one who could do anything about her situation. For the first time, she's experiencing peace. Some of you are here today and you feel this woman's pain. Many of you are currently carrying the weight of various burdens and struggles For some of you, it may have even been difficult to get out of the bed and make it here this morning, but let me just let you in on a little secret. You are not here by accident. I've been expecting about today for some time, and I believe that this is a God-ordained opportunity for some people that are in this room this morning. These burdens and these struggles that you've been carrying and that you've been dealing with, they've they've ostracized you from your friends and family. They zapped you of your energy and your income. And quite frankly, they've left you wanting. Maybe it's a health issue that you face this morning and the doctors haven't given you a favorable report and they're scratching their heads and they're thinking, we're really not sure. We don't have the answers. Maybe your issue this morning is with your marriage. Despite all the counseling, despite all the effort, it just doesn't seem like you're gonna be able to make it work. Maybe your issue today is with your finances. No matter what you try, you just can't get a leg up on your debt. It always seems to be that there's more month than there is money. And you've created this vicious and perpetual cycle over and over and over and the odds are stacked against you. 
Maybe your issue this morning is with your children. You've raised them better than this, or so you thought. But they just continue to make poor decisions and continue to drive that wedge further between you and them. Maybe your issues with relationships today. Though Facebook and Instagram might communicate otherwise, you're actually living a life of loneliness and isolation. And you find yourself completely and utterly broken because of these issues in your life. And here's the deal. We all do it. We live behind these facades. We, we put our face on and we go out into the world and we fake a smile and we say, I'm good. I'm okay. I got this. Because we're unable or unwilling to truly let people in to what's going on on the inside. On the inside of us, the thing that's really going on is that we're a broken mess, barely hanging by thread. You can identify. And over the years, you've gotten really good, maybe too good, at pretending and at hiding behind your lie. Some of you here today are desperate for a solution. But my question is, are you desperate for Jesus? There are those of you here today that are desperate for a solution, but are you desperate for Jesus? Are you longing for his peace and his peace alone to fill the void that you have going on in your life? If that's you today, I want you to hear me plainly and clearly. Everybody looking up right here at me, because I feel like this is so important. If you've missed every other part of this message, hear these three words. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. This is what I believe that this passage communicates to us this morning and what is so, so important for us to walk in today is Jesus sees you. And here's the deal. Here's the big takeaway right here. Your belief overcomes your brokenness. Jesus sees you today in your brokenness, but your brokenness doesn't disqualify you. Your belief overcomes, it overshadows, it rises above your brokenness. But are you desperate for Jesus to do something about it? It may just be one person that's here this morning. But I wanna challenge you. It's time to lay aside your facade. It's time to quit living the lie. It's time once and for all to come to Jesus. You might've said it for weeks, months, years. I wanna be set free of this. I wanna get rid of this. I wanna rise above this. And you've tried everything else there is to try. 
None of that stuff's gonna work. There's only one thing that's gonna work, and that's Jesus. That's why you're here this morning, is to have an encounter with Jesus. You know, maybe you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ before. Maybe, maybe you come here and you, you find yourself broken from, from the life that you've lived previously up to this point and, and you think, man, that there's no hope for you, there's no help for you, that, that nobody cares about you, nobody loves you. Maybe this was a last ditch effort for you coming in here today, saying, God, I'm gonna give you one more shot. You need to know that Jesus sees you and that he wants a relationship with you. And to enter into a relationship with Jesus, it's so simple. In fact, it's as simple as A, B, C. Something that you and I learned in our very formative years back in preschool. Admit, believe, choose. We admit that we're sinners. We believe on Jesus Christ and we choose to make him the Lord of our life. In just a moment, I'm gonna lead you in this prayer that's on the screen behind me. And I wanna invite you to pray with me. And if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, I'm broken, but I'm ready to take a step towards Jesus because I realize that he is the only answer for the brokenness in my life. And I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me accept Jesus today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life.